This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 485 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Purina Mills and Horselovers.com. This week's Rest of the Scoop is called Rose's Little Black Horse by Gail Stewart. Our monthly visit with badass Devin Horn and the Horselovers.com product review is the Horseware Ladies H2O Waterproof Bag. Listen in. Hi, everybody. Glenn the Geek here, and you are listening to the Stable Scoop Show. We have a fun show planned for you today, as you heard, and we're going to get right to it with the rest of the scoop. Rosa's Little Black Horse by Gail Stewart One day in 1909, the Oklahoma town of Chickasha teamed with horse lovers jam-packed together to watch a match race between the big mare, Belle Thompson, and a small two-year-old thoroughbred filly named You See It. It was You See It's first race. She lost barely, but showed the staying power of her distant grandsire, the English Stallion Eclipse. Watching, too, was a horseman named Al Hoots. He traded 80 acres of land for her. He and the trainer, Hanley Webb, campaigned You See It all over North America. She won enough to support them and the ranch he and his wife, Rosa, owned in Oklahoma. Foolishly in Mexico, though, Al Hoots entered her in a claiming race. Well, she lost that race. And when a man arrived at Hoots' one-horse barn to claim her, Hoots shoot him away at gunpoint. Al, you see it, and her offspring were barred from racing forever. Al was undeterred. He dreamed of breeding, you see it, to a famous thoroughbred stallion and seeing their foal win the Kentucky Derby. How? They'd been disbarred. How to pay for such a big dream? Then, out of the blue, rather, out of the ground, the winds of fortune shifted in their favor. You see, Al's wife Rosa was an Osage Indian. And on Osage land, they discovered oil. Lots of oil. All the tribal members shared in the royalties at that time. So that meant as Al's hopes were rising, some money coming in the door, his health failed. On his deathbed, he made his wife Rosa promise never to sell Usiet's yet unborn foal, which he just knew would be a cult. And she promised. Rosa, her bank account buoyed by oil royalties, sent you see it to the farm of Black Tony in Kentucky. Al's dream rang true. You see it delivered a colt with a coat of ebony that glistened like the oil gushing from Osage lands. Adding to her joy, the racing commission forgave and forgot, and you see it and her foals were returned to good standing. You see its colt, not quite 16 hands, debuted at two years old at the Fairgrounds Racecourse in New Orleans. He won that race, plus the important Bashford Manor Stakes at Churchill Downs, and half of his next 18 races. His three-year-old year arrived on May 17, 1924. He and 18 thoroughbreds were set for a battle at Churchill Downs, the 50th Kentucky Derby, the Golden Jubilee Derby, Rose's Black Colt was in the mix to win. With jockey J.D. Mooning on board, he did win. 
driving, reported one writer, and disposed of the others in the last 70 yards. His time was 2.05. That year, he also won Louisiana, Ohio State, and Chicago derbies, the first horse to win four derbies in four different states. Rosa made history, too, the first woman to breed and own a Kentucky Derby winner. He retired briefly, but when he returned to racing, returning also was a quarter crack in his front left foot. Yet Webb continued to race him. In 1928, Webb entered him in the Salome Purse at the fairgrounds where his career began. In the stretch, a bobble, a cry of horror from the grandstand. His left foreleg had snapped above the ankle, his leg held together by a bandage. His jockey tried to pull him up, but he pushed on and hobbled on three legs across the finish line. He was a finisher. They euthanized him quickly, and he was buried in the infield. The New Orleans item praised his courage, speed, and endurance back in 1924. Only one of those qualities was retained at the close of his career. Courage, and plenty of it. No gamer racer ever trod the track. He died at age 7, winning 18 of 35 races and more than $110,000. In 1989, he was inducted into the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame. Each spring, Fairgrounds holds a stake race in his honor. The winning jockey, accompanied by members of Rose's family, lays a horseshoe-shaped wreath of silk flowers at his grave marker. 2017 marked the ceremony's 60th year. Rosa recalled, I named it myself after the oil out in our country. It meant a lot to the Osages and to the people of Oklahoma to win it. And the Derby Trophy, treasured by generations of her grandchildren, is engraved with his name. Osage slang for the oil that gave the little black horse's life and his legacy of courage. Black gold. This story was written by Gail Stewart, the author of 100 Horses in History, True Stories of Horses Who Shaped Our World. You can find all of her books, including 100 Horses in History, at www.100horsesinhistory.com. Coach Jen here, and my favorite time of the show, it's product review time, and I'm here with Jacqueline Burke, and you have kind of an interesting product here to review this evening. I wasn't, I'm, you're going to have to explain to me what it is, because it is called <laughs> Horseware Ladies H2O Waterproof Bag. I still don't know what it is, so explain, please. Yeah, so um, I, I think I'm kind of along. Having now had the product for a few months, I'm probably kind of similar with you, but it's a big, what I kind of describe as like a duffel bag mm -hmm. um, with backpack handles on it. So like you would wear it like a backpack, but it's more of like a duffel bag sort of feature. So it's big. It's very big. Um, it sat above, like, like went all the way up to like my head. It was very large. Oh, wow. So this is like, put a couple of flakes at, no, it's not that big though. But like it's like twenty inches tall or something. It's pretty tall. I mean, you could fit. I put um, so I put a bunch of things in it to kind of see, and I sprayed my hose on it, and I put like a helmet <laughs> and some boots and a bunch of stuff. And I will say, it's definitely waterproof, um, and it's very large. You can put a lot of things in there. 
So does it have a drawstring top like the old-fashioned duffel bag you used to use in high school? Yep. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it's definitely interesting. I kind of, so I'm an inventor, um, and having groomed for a bunch of inventors as well, um, I kind of picture it as more of like a show sort of accessory where you would take it to the ring, um, maybe a groom would have it and you could throw a bunch of stuff in it, especially if the weather wasn't um, ideal and then everything would stay nice and dry. So that's kind of how I envisioned using it. I'm getting, I'm starting to get the picture now. So it would be handy to drag out to the vet box or if you had several horses that had to be at the dressage arena at the same time, you could put several horses Absolutely. with the stuff in there. I'm getting it now. This would be ideal, it sounds, for folks in the endurance discipline to use as a crew bag. Yeah, there you go. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I think that would be fantastic, too, because you could definitely, I mean, having competed at the FEI levels, you know, you have a lot of equipment in the vet box, which I would assume is pretty similar with the endurance discipline. Um, So you could definitely fit a whole boatload in there. How interesting is that? Now it had you said it has straps like a like a backpack does. Are they adjustable at all? So you you could adjust them to yep. fit well. Yeah, yeah. It's it literally you can pull the strap up or down just like you would like a normal backpack. So so you can adjust. Yeah, so you could adjust it. So you know, for people who maybe have a shorter or longer torso, or depending on how much stuff is in it, um, you know, then you can adjust the backpack accordingly. Well, there we go. Now that I've got my head around it, it sounds like a really cool idea. It's one of those things that until you try it, you don't realize you needed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just envisioned, you know, all the years I was at Fairhill where it was pouring down rain and how nice that would have been to have. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It sounds like it would be kind of a fun Christmas gift because it's true. It's genuinely unique, but it's also very useful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that now that it's in my barn, that there will definitely be a time and a place for it, for sure. Well, there we go. The horseware. I'm not too sure why they call it ladies, because I'm sure fellows can use it too. H2O waterproof bag. And again, that's from horseware. So, you know, it's going to be pretty well made. And as we record this review, it is available at horselovers.com. That's horselovers with a Z at the end.com for $65. And thank you very much, Jacqueline Burke, for doing our product review. Well, with us for the first time on the Stable Scoop show in this segment, that is, she's going to be with us monthly, and we have badass Devin Horn with us, and that's why we have her on the show, because she's a badass, and we're going to be talking about all of what she's up to uh, coming up in 2018, and we're going to check in with her monthly to see, because she does so many cool, really dangerous things things. Devin, you are preparing right now for the Mongol Derby for your third time. Yes, Glenn. Um, and previously on Horses in the Morning, we had a conversation about uh, the definition of badass versus dumbass. Yeah. Um, and I really decided that that was a really good title for me. Um, I am training for my third go at the Mongol Derby, and it'll be my fifth ride um, over 500 miles. 
So did we determine that there's a fine line between badass and dumbass? Isn't that what we determined? Yes, but we were we were not able to determine which line which line I was dancing with. Uh, last time we were, I actually, we were together on air. I think dancing's a good a good word there because I think you cross that line many times uh, during any given yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm uh, in full training for the Mongol Derby, which is, will be this August, starting August fifth, um, and uh, just trying to keep it on this side of dumbass uh, for those eight months. <laughs> <laughs> so now this is your third time doing the Mongol Derby, but you've done many other other rides, and you're an endurance rider, so you're used to doing the the distance riding for endurance. Uh, what are you right. doing differently this year to prepare for the Mongol Derby, the thousand kilometer race in Mongolia, riding wild Mongolian ponies? What are you doing differently this year to prepare than you did in p- previous years? Um, well, I really feel like I've got my training dialed down now. Um, I, obviously, every time you go over there, you learn a little bit more about what you need and how you can best prepare. Um, I think I have it down to a science now as far as what I need to do to get my body ready, um, as well as things that I can I can improve on. You know, nobody is an expert on everything. So I think that since I, I have the advantage of being over there a couple of times, I know where my holes are, and I can kind of train up to them. Are you getting the fermented yak's milk shipped over now and drinking that ahead of time? Mm-hmm. No, but I am doing yogurt, so I feel like maybe that will help a little bit. Um, I feel Just like let that it might have a little Let it sit time. out for three yeah. days and then I eat need it. I to sit yeah. it on a, on a windowsill before I start using it in That's my right. training program, for sure. <laughs> you know, we're joking, but... <laughs> no, kind of. I mean, it, it can't hurt, right? <laughs> Well, and it is one of the was, things uh, that so many of the people that go over there have trouble with is their stomachs because of the food and the just different. It's just different. <laughs> I was I was actually on a, a twenty mile training run with my dad last weekend because I'm also an ultra runner, um, and he I had a bunch of stomach issues last Saturday, and it was just basically like run a mile barf, run a mile barf. Um, and he said, you know, it's really good suffer training so that when this happens during a race, you know, you'll be ready for it. You know what to expect, and you know it gets better. Uh, it did not get better through those 20 miles, but he assured me that it would at like 30. So, Your dad also, I, there, you come by this naturally. Tell us a little bit about your dad. Yeah, it's a direct bloodline trait. Uh, he's an ultra marathoner. He just recently completed, uh, completed his 10th 100-miler. That's so, running uh, on your quite, feet, people. Running on yeah, your feet. Sam Cheval, no horse. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, we we were just out, and he kind of said, you know, when things go sideways during training, that's kind of like the best training that you can possibly have. You know, if you fall off your horse or, you know, have a navigation issue or something, it's really great to be able to prepare for that at home. Well, yeah, but it's not something you really want to sign up for every time. That is fair. Yeah, no, you <laughs> you need to get a little bit of good runs in there, too, as well. It kind of boosts your confidence a bit. Yeah, that kind of gets depressing. So so yeah. you do the ultra marathoning as well. You you do roller derby. Um, I do, yeah. I'm on a local roller derby team, which is amazing for making friends that are badass and fearless and, and awesome as well. Now, do you ever have a, a yearning to hike mountains or climb mountains and do Everest and all those things, or is yours pretty much limited to the distance running and, and riding, like that's not enough? Well, I really like covering distance, so I don't know that I would do um, Everest, but I may do an extended trip through the Himalaya. Um, you know, things like that, things that I can really get out there and, and be wild for an extended period of time are kind of my jam. So like last year you did the uh, Colorado Trail with horses, right? It was five hundred right, miles, which is a 
Yeah, 500 miles through from Denver to Durango um, on a camping trip. It took us about 30 days to do, and that was amazing. I mean, I cannot wait until I get a good gap in order uh, to be able to do that again. Because just, you know, living rough and sleeping wild for 30 days with your horse is just kind of like a dream come true for me. So, <laughs> Now, does something like the Appalachian Trail appeal to you, or is that just like too tame and take too, way too long? No, I'd really like to do it. I wish they'd let you bring horses on it, though. Because um, I, I went with my... I did the Colorado Trail with my trusty pony, Zerk, and uh, I'd love to bring him on the Appalachian Trail, but unfortunately, a lot of it doesn't allow horses. No, nah, you're going to have to do the Pacific Crest Trail for that one. Yeah, mm. and I have a couple of friends who are kind of needling me, wondering if we're going to make a plan for that. So there, there's a there's a definite possibility. Much stranger things have happened. We interviewed a guy who did it this year uh, with his horse. Yeah. And, boy, it's tough through the desert. That's a tough trail. I mean, that's just tough the whole way up between the snow and the oh, desert yeah. and the weather and it's just and, fires. And I mean, you would... You would not believe, and I had no appreciation for it before planning this trip, but the logistics alone to make sure that five horses or six horses and five riders have enough calories to make it over a mountain is insanity. I mean, I could not believe it. Yeah, and he had his Maybe. wife, this guy had his wife with him with the trailer, so that basically he met the trailer every night, and she followed him for the whole six months. Wow, that's yeah. dedication. He has a great wife. Yeah, and you know, he said, I asked him, could you have done this without that kind of support, like daily almost support? And there were a couple times where he was deep in the wilderness that he went to maybe two days, three days. But he said, there's no way you could do that trail without that kind of support with horses. There's just there's just not enough stops yeah. along the way to find food. And you're in a desert, there's nothing to eat, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We were able to do the Colorado meeting our supply train every four days. Um, and that was a, a challenge, a logistical challenge. Um, and we all, we met them so infrequently because they couldn't literally get their cars up to where we needed them to be. We were in such remote wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, making sure that everything, everyone had enough calories to make it over the next mountain was just a, an awe-inspiring endeavor. And so gave me such an appreciation for people who did this, you know, back in the day when they couldn't have their dads meet them in a 4 by 4 Right. <laughs> Exactly. So, Devin, your dad is this super athlete. You're a super athlete, and you're both a little crazy. Where's your mom fit into this picture? Is she also that way, or does she just kind of roll her eyes at both of you? No, she, uh, this is how it works. So, I call my mom and I tell her I'm going to do something stupid, uh, like Mongolia or Colorado. And she says, Oh my God, Devin, what the hell? How many sandwiches do you think I should pack you? So she, she, you know, takes a minute to process it and then begins doing some research and starts figuring out how to be the support role because, um, she, for, you know, when you have people like my dad and myself in your family, you need somebody kind of keeping it together. And that is definitely where my mom comes in. She's not, um, wildery or outdoorsy herself, but she definitely keeps the home fires burning and helps us, you know, with our planning and our logistics and getting everything out the door to, to get on these adventures. Now, does she uh, follow closely, like when you're in Mongolia? Yes, she li- she doesn't sleep. I mean, she always jokes that if I ever go back, which I am going back this year, she she's going to take out a uh, Xanax prescription. Well, you know, we'll be doing our nightly coverage like we did last time, following you this time instead of Leslie. Um, so we'll have to get your mom on one night to join us. Oh, she is a riot. <laughs> you'll, you'll love her. <laughs> I'd love she that. just hilarious um, and like i said she's not outdoorsy or wildery but i definitely get a lot of my drive from her so when she decides she's going to do something she she does it um and uh if, if she decides she's going to be a support character for this journey you know she does it to the help so 
Now, let's let's address something that's been brought up with you several times. I've seen you address this on Facebook, actually, and I know, I know that the average listener at home is thinking this, and it's how do you afford to do all of this? And I know that this is a question that you've had and addressed, and actually, people have picked on you about this, too. Yeah, it seems like um, some people get a little bit defensive when they when they say, "Oh, you know, Devin took you know thirty days off of work and went to Colorado." Um, it was definitely something that I I planned for and I budgeted for, um, and I I try to you know make sacrifices where I can, and I definitely have a, a pool of money you know that that goes towards my adventures. Um, is it I had my way, I would be at the Mongol Derby every single year, but the entry fee is so exorbitant. Um, it takes me about two or three years to save up the money. Uh, so I have my little pool, and when I get my paycheck, you know, from my jobs and my side hustles, a percentage of it goes into my venture fund. Um, and I kind of pick a, a North Star to, to save for, and once I get there, I do it, and then I start over again. So, so so we can answer that in that she saves money, people, and is disciplined about it. That's how she gets there. There's no magic Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, there's definitely not magic. I don't have some, you know shake or sugar daddy in the background looming over me paying for all my adventures. Uh, that would be really nice. Though, so I was just going to say that'd be thing. nice though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If anybody's listening and interested, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. you've gotten to travel around the world doing different things too. You just, last year you spent some time in Japan training horses, which was, I was so cool to follow all your pictures from there. Yeah, and that's actually where the kind of the Facebook bullying started when I told everybody I was going over to Japan for two months. Um, and, and that's basically where everyone stopped reading. They said, oh, my God, Devin's going on a vacation to Japan for two months. Where does this 24-year-old get all this money? And the reality was that I was working my butt off in a log cabin with no running water, electricity, or Wi-Fi for two months. It wasn't like I was staying in a Tokyo hotel. You were getting paid, too. This was a paid a- gig. It wasn't volunteer, right? <laughs> Right, exactly. I went over there with the idea that I was going to work for this breeding farm, and I had an amazing time, you know, working four or five horses a day and, you know, cleaning and exploring this vast wilderness. But it's not one of those things where I was, you know, eating sushi in a four-star hotel in the middle of Tokyo for two months. Yeah, people, Um, okay, people, she was peeing in the woods. So let's take that into consideration. Yep. There's a lot of, (laughs) if if you want to be an adventurer at 24 years old, you better be comfortable peeing in the woods. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. There's the quote of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So now, what's what's coming up over the next month now in, uh, in your life? Well, there's two big things that are coming up in the next week that I'm really excited for um, that are kind of like my, my January uh, goals, I suppose. Um, I'm actually signing up today to help one of my friends um, do a, a trial for the World Equestrian Games. Um, she's Swedish, and her federation is going to be picking her team, um, and I'm actually going to go for her as a way if she gets chosen. And what is she? Is she here now? Uh, no, she's actually at the race site already getting her horse settled. Um, I'm going to fly in tonight, and then the 100-miler is tomorrow. So and I where's will this be at? Lugging, uh, it's going to be in Earnhardt, South Carolina. Okay. And it's a, it's an FEI three-star competition of 100 miles. And um, she's going to be riding, and I'm going to be lugging buckets and picking up after horses and feeding and, you know, we'll, trotting horses out and doing all the good stuff grooms do uh, for the next couple of days. Well, that's terrific. I, I when you I talk about having a highly qualified groom, she's a lucky girl. Yeah, so. <laughs> seriously. You know, I, she 
she's one of my best friends, um, and I've known her for a really long time. So when she was looking for somebody, you know, to, to come groom for her, I was like, oh, pick me, pick me. Um, <laughs> because I, you know, I, I would want to go to the World Equestrian Games anyway, um, just as a spectator. But when you're allowed on the field to play, it's even better somehow. <laughs> well, if you... Uh... It's really great to be able to go. We do the World of Question Games radio show, too, and we'll be doing uh, daily wrap-up shows at the end of each WAG day, and you'll have to come over and help us do our uh, endurance wrap-up day. Definitely, sure. yeah, and I'll get a bunch of really good photo and video out there, too, because, like I said, we'll be in the vet- I'll be in the vet gate pretty much for 12 hours, so I'll definitely have some time. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Devin, for joining us, and uh, we look forward to your monthly visits here on the Stable Scoop Show. Yeah, next time we'll be uh, post my first 100-mile ultra run, so we'll see if I still have any uh, energy to to come on the radio show. (laughs) All right, everybody, that's (laughs) Badass Devin Horn. Where can they follow you? Uh, On Facebook. I spell my first name with an A, so it's D-E-V-A-N, last name Horn, like a saddle horn. Well, thanks to Devin. She'll be joining us here once a month to keep us up to date on all her badass adventures. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining me, everybody. Don't forget, all the shows on the Horse Radio Network can be found on our app. Just search for Horse Radio Network, iOS or Android, and you will find all of the shows on there, all 17 of them now, I believe. And we also have a brand new show. It's the Arabian Racing Radio Show. So if you're into Arabians at all, or or not, it's a fun show, head on over to our app and you'll find that or on our website at horseradionetwork.com. Until next week, happy scooping. Happy scooping.